Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've seen our second Ridley Scott film in a number of weeks. Yes. He's come out with two this year. The first was The Last Jewel and now we've seen House of Gucci. Yes. It's another long one. Two hours and 38 minutes. I know. And it really didn't feel it as you commented at the no. end of the film. I mean, I did think at some points, why didn't they make this into a miniseries? Yes, I, you know? I agree with that. I think it would, have been, it would have been better as a miniseries, actually. It's got so much drama and so many... You know, so much plot and yeah, like kind of the story is so convoluted. I also think it has a kind of trashiness to the story, and, yes. and that would suit. A, it feels soap opery. Well, it, it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, though that's maybe also a problem with the film that it does, mm. right? Yeah, it's not to its credit that it does. And actually, hopefully, you know, a better television series would have brought out something other than just like trash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is about the Gucci story, which I know nothing about. Fashion is not a particular interest of mine, as you might imagine. I imagine you had some familiarity with it. Yes, I knew the story. Right. So we saw the trailer for this not long ago, and we both commented how great Lady Gaga looked in it. I mean, I mean, as an actress, I don't mean just like pretty. But she looked like she was forceful and and had attitude, and we both turned on to that, you know? Yeah. We were interested. And she to... lived up and exceeded every expectation of mine, actually, because she's not someone I like. She's not someone I like as a performer. I didn't like, you know, the, the meek dress and all of that <coughs> clamoring for it. I didn't like any of it. Mm. Uh, so I wasn't predisposed to her, is I guess what I'm trying to say. I thought she was fine in A Star is Born, but I think she's truly great in this. Yeah, Oscar nominated for A Star is Born, wasn't she? Yeah, I know. Um, and if she's even better in this, then who knows? Yes, well, she is. I think she is, don't you? I think she is, yeah. Yeah. So the story's about Lady Gaga plays Patrizia Reggiani, who, relative to everyone else in the film, is kind of lower class. I mean, her dad owns a business, but it's not a big business. It's a truck-driving business, and she works for it. Yeah. Um, and she meets uh, Maurizio Gucci, played by Adam Driver. She chases him. Mm, chases <laughs> him at a party. <laughs> and he's the scion of the kind of Gucci empire, which by the time we meet him is already... An empire. It's this mm. historical fashion empire. And uh, Adam Driver's dad, um, played by Jeremy Irons, immediately susses her out. You know, Well, he susses out. She's a gold digger, yeah. Part of her. She's a gold digger. She was just, just wants to get her hooks into you. Don't marry her. And all this. But, of course, he does. And this may be a spoiler if you're not familiar with the story. But it is a real-life story. And, ultimately, um, they separated after kind of building up, taking over the company. And she put out a hit on Maurizio. Mm. Uh, and as we're told right at the end, went down for it. She and her co-conspirators. Mm. Um, so it, it kind of, on paper, it has this, you know, it's a it's about love and romance and passion and, and ambition and family and pressure and, all, and, and murder and intrigue. And, and it's got great actors yes. and a really great cast. It's got kind of scope, you know. It's it's got a, a the big runtime actually really suits it. I think it doesn't rush things, and I, I I like how much time it gives to the plot. It's got all this, and I'm thinking, why does it feel so flat? I didn't think it felt flat. I just think it's a film that somehow doesn't realize its potential because, I mean, I loved it. I had a good time through it. Mm. I loved all the performers. I actually I laughed throughout. I love the score. Uh, the soundtrack, oh, really? yeah, I do. Yeah, the soundtrack, yeah. It's got a score as well, which I think is by the numbers. Yeah, I love but, the, the but, soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But I just think, you know, this has like a whole tragic dimension to it. Like, mm. it lacks a kind of seriousness of attitude and exploration towards its themes. Yeah. Uh, that is very self-evident. And that which I think is a pity because, you know, some of the things that have been criticized, for example, Jared Leto has been, you know, really criticized for his performance and being very mannered under, you know, a ton of makeup. I loved it. You know, I thought mm. it, it was a wonderful performance. It got all the laughs, you know. I mean, he is a caricature of a character, mm. and I can't imagine anyone doing better by it, actually. No, no. It, it's an amazing transformation in the makeup. You even see that just from the trailer. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's so convincing and consistent. And you see him behind it, you know. You see, sometimes it's in the eyes, or sometimes it's in the smile. You see these flashes of, there's that guy I recognise. But he's really transformed, and it's quite amazing. I love the interplay with uh, Al Pacino. I thought Al Pacino was also great. I mean, mm. you know, people were talking him, about him as giving this, you know, outsized, uh, uh, hammy performance, you know. And, I mean, I think it's a great performance, actually. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you don't go to Al Pacino for minimalist and understated, <laughs> you know. But the thing is that within his style, he hits every note, I think. I, again, I can't imagine anybody being better. There's this moment when he comes out of prison after the year he spent there, and he's going back home and reconnecting with his son who sent him there. Um, and he just looks old at that point, and he mm. is old. But the thing is, you've met him when he was slightly younger. Mm. Um, the film takes place, obviously, over a number of years. And by that point, he's in this decrepit old house with plates piling up and things. He looks broken at that point and it's it was kind of subtle but i really loved it and he, you know he can do that i mean yeah. <laughs> like you say he doesn't come you don't come to him for for the quietness but it was a modulation of performance yeah that i really latched onto i like that um the only thing that i had trouble believing was that he and jeremy irons were brothers <laughs> <laughs> because I also thought Jeremy Irons was wonderful. Mm. Uh, again, another actor I don't normally like, you know, but his understated, elegant, aristocratic demeanor, you know, all worked really well in relation to Adam Driver as his son. It's just that you can't imagine both yeah, yeah, I know being, what you mean. being brothers. But, but actually, descent... it's not a problem. Yeah. No, no. Well, I like his descent as well into age and, in particular, illness. Yes. Um, and I mean, I, over, I even thought maybe at one point they overdid it with the makeup because at the one point he looked so pallid and like an Adams family character or something, mm. you know, he was just deaf walking with that little mustache. Mm. You know, it kind of vampiric. Um, but I loved it. And even towards the end, he's still got rage and passion, and, you know, he obviously deliberately hurts Paolo, the Jared Leto character. Hmm. He's capable of doing that. There were two main problems with the film for me. You know, one is a seriousness of intent and understanding. Yeah, mm. like, you know, I think it's a film that really touches only on surfaces. Yeah, it is very soap opera-ish. Yeah, in treatment. Yeah, it needn't be, but it ends up being. Mm. Um, and the other thing that I really disliked was uh, its look, mm. you know? I mean, this is a film about fashion, about accoutrements, it's got fashion shows, it's got mansions and art and furniture that costs more than a flat in Monte Carlo, they tell us, right? So I wanted those things to be lit, yeah? I wanted <laughs> a glossy 
effect. Uh, whereas the whole film is lit so darkly, and I didn't understand the point of it. Because, you know, it's not as if you detect a lighting scheme for the darkness. I mean, you can detect, a, a, you know, lighting elements in different scenes, right? So the fashion mm. show with all the light bulbs and, and so on. But I just don't understand why the scenes in Switzerland or, you know, in those fabulous homes with the swimming pool, why they couldn't be better lit, why they couldn't have more light, you know? Yeah, it's as though visual darkness implies seriousness yeah. and drama and the rest of the film isn't carrying it off no just it actually looks and i don't want to say cheap it doesn't quite look cheap but it doesn't look considered no and uh, along with that uh lighting i also and this is a problem that i had with the last jewel as well i didn't think any of the shots seemed designed like you know you're trying to look for a composition mm. you know or for some compositional element that are designed for meaning or feeling and I couldn't detect them it's just like the camera just seemed to focus on whatever the actor yeah was speaking or something yeah it was almost like a a kind of you know a tv style where you're focusing on the person speaking rather than on composing you know for for other effects as well it's the same cinematographer as the last jewel and it seems like he's been working with Ridley Scott for a little while yes um and I think you do kind of see some similarities because, you know, there were maybe one or two shots in the last tour I could pick out, and there are one or two here I could pick out, like where Jeremy Irons gets in Jared Leto's face mm. and tells him, "No one must see these designs ever." And it's and it's you know he's on the left, he's on the right, and they're staring at each other, and it's quite a bold composition. Um, I liked how the Tom Ford fashion show was done. There was there were early on in that because I, I didn't know. So we've just seen that. Uh, Lady Gaga wants him dead and so I thought oh does it happen at the fashion show um, and I think it may be if you don't know the story it's maybe meant to suggest that it might um, because this fashion show is going on there's flashing lights and Adam Driver thinks he sees across the way Lady Gaga and her face is lit up flashing and she looks like the devil just in a split mm. you know, in a frame and it's edited quite quickly I liked how that was I thought that was very effective. It's only there for a second or two, but I like that. I think there are interesting ideas. So, for example, there's a whole scene in New York where Al Pacino's talking, but he's out of focus and the camera's all on uh, Lady Gaga. Yeah. You know, but then if you're looking at, you know, the shot seemed a little bit wonky and you don't know why it's wonky. Mm. You know, the camera almost seemed like uh, handheld. You think, why? Right? Like... Yeah, things just didn't cohere for me. I didn't understand. Ridley Scott is kind of... He's made comments in recent years that are, that are to some degree aggressive towards audiences. They sort of say, well, do you know what we have to deal with? Do you know how hard it is to make a film? With, I think it was Exodus, Gods and Kings, he was criticised for just... It was all white people, mm. right? And he said, well, do you want to try and make a film that doesn't have a star in it for so much money? It's like, it's got a point. But on the other hand, it's, it's just really dismissive of the people who are making criticism. Um, and, and just recently, about The Last Jewel, um, he's been complaining about its poor box office um, by saying kids are just on their phones these days. Mm. And that's just really not the reason that yeah. that hasn't had a decent I mean, box I, I really like that film. But, you know, even with me liking it, I, I can't imagine it being a hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I wonder whether that kind of feeds into the way that his last two films, at least, have seemed 
framed, composed, shot with a certain lack of interest or care or something. It's just like well, we're getting the shot. You know, the shots most important. We just get the shot and then we go. Like we've got to do this on time. There's a feeling of that. Like, well, it could be strategy. I mean, I think I could be wrong, um, but I saw an interview. I think with Lady Gaga uh, and um, what's his name, the Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Where they were talking about how the actors have to be ready because uh, Ridley Scott filmed with four cameras or five cameras or whatever. Yeah. And I've just remembered this now, but if that is the case, and I'm not misremembering, then it, it makes sense because the shots are grabbed, feel grabbed rather than composed, you mm. know. But if that's the case, it's a big mistake in a film which is so much about wealth and clothes and purses and everything having to look a particular way and you know mm. clothes and decor and grand houses you don't want to grab that you know that multiple camera thing was definitely the case with the rape scene that you see several times in um or twice in the last duel mm. i read that because uh, it was talking about that uh, having as few people on set as possible and we kept all the cameras rolling so we didn't have to do this too many times so and you maybe remember that, or maybe the true of this as well. I don't know. No. I mean, I think this is definitely, you know, it certainly has a look as though, yeah. as you say, it's it's been grabbed and snatched. Yeah, and, which I think is to a detriment, you know, for this kind of film in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you want to make sure that you know the items that are important are well lit, you know, and kind of meaningful. Uh, and this does feel grabbed. I mean, there's a whole mm. incident about the purses. Right. And, you know, the fake purse is in New York and mm. she, you know, her maid, uh, her house cleaner ha- has bought a Gucci purse. And then what kind of Gucci purse? And it's like mine. Well, you want to be able to see what those differences are. Right. Or actually even the moment with the shoes, which is an important plot point. Right. Mm. You know, you're meant to see a leaf of gold in it. I didn't see it. You know. No, it's 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 flash uh, for a second, and then you cut this thing out. <laughs> yeah. So you know, but that is a major thing. Yeah. yeah. Like it deserves a close-up. To be yeah, honest. Exactly. Right. So, you know, and you want those shoes. So they're telling you that these shoes are, you know, they're no longer made, and they're in a museum. You want to see it. You want to mm. see that shoe. And the way you know, and actually, you do get a close-up of that. But even with a close-up, it was so badly lit. You don't get the feeling of ah, oh, the shoe, how wonderfully made it is, or the stitch. Yeah, mm. yeah. You want to, in a second, be able to convey something about power and money and so on with that shoe, not just you know have it be like you know like the Clark's window display, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it also felt like a film that I would make about fashion, in that I don't think it really has any understanding of what fashion is how to show it off like it's it, it doesn't seem to me to be made by someone with with an eye for that exactly it isn't you want to see the models and the runaway and you want to see the clothes and you want to see the clothes in movement you want it to at least be as good as some three minute fashion show that you can see on youtube and it wasn't mm. uh, so i think all of that to me was a big disappointment the biggest strength though is lady gaga who i think is magnificent because you really feel her ambition. Uh, you really feel her working classness, that she's always out of place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You understand her intelligence. And the only thing that I didn't quite understand, but I think that's a problem with the screenplay rather than with her performance, is 
why when he leaves her, it's almost like, you know, her love is at its strongest. And I just didn't understand that. I kind of feel that the whole separation between two of them was quite badly handled. Yeah. It happens over essentially a comment and then a, an act of assault, which is where he grabs her by the throat and puts her up against the wall and says, I dare you insult me, essentially. Mm. And then it's it's kind of, they're done from then on. Certainly as far as he's concerned, he's the one who breaks off after that. She seems to, I think to that, reconcile. I think the film leads up a little bit more subtly than that. Because, you know, for me, at least I got the impression um, that... When he goes to Switzerland and he meets his childhood friend, who's that wonderful actress from Dispoussin, what's her name? The French actress. Mm. Um, Camille Cotin. Camille Cotin, yeah. who's fabulous. Uh, when he meets her... Yes, know, yes, it is laid up to a bit more. It's clear that they go back further and she's back, jealous. Yeah, and she's elegant and... She has the same class background, the same upbringing. She feels more comfortable with him and her friends. And all of a sudden, having his wife, you know, who's like, you know, a, a kind of a workhorse, let's say, mm. amidst all these thoroughbreds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I agree. So it, uh, it's built up to um, perfectly acceptably. But after that, you know, you have to get from Lady Gaga being upset and still in love with him and wanting him back and turning that into the desire and will to mm. have him killed. And I don't think the film does that at all. Um, and it's and it's not her fault. It's just not there in the screenplay. One of the things that the film is very keen, very happy to do, which is mostly not a problem, is jump forward in time very quickly. Mm. Like we go from she's pregnant to a scene later, basically. She's had a baby. Mm. It just jumps, mm. right? You know, we go from uh, the final meeting with um, Jeremy Irons because he's dying to immediately like, cut and we see him in the coffin at the funeral. So, like, it's happy to, to make those jumps, and it's, and it's a film that's covering a lot of time, and mostly it works. But it kind of does that with her transformation from someone who's been betrayed and is upset and so on into someone who is willing to kill. Mm. I don't think it... I mean, that's kind of key, right? Like, the, the ultimate... The, final, the, the keystone to the story... Is she had him killed? Yeah, what drives her to murder? Right. And you don't get it, really. No, you don't. Uh, you certainly don't feel it. And I don't think it's really expanding. Like, it's obviously going to be their interpretation of it, right? You know, we're not getting to, into the real Patrizia's head here. But I want to get into the character's head. And it's very basic. The film is very reticent, actually. I think that it's a very interesting... The film is scared. You know, if it had been a bolder film it would have turned it all over to Gaga, you know, because really we should be seeing her story mm. in exclusivity. Whereas actually what we're getting is the story of the House of Gucci with her in it. Yeah. Yeah. So whereas really she should be the driving force. We need to understand what drives her, right? And we do at the beginning. Yeah, it's like, you know, kind of, she's fascinated by the glamour and the money and the family and, mm. you know... Um, and then you can imagine, yeah, kind of, that she'd want to keep it. But why she, she wants to displace her husband and all of that stuff. And then also why she loses him and how she loses him. And then, you know, her relationship maybe with her daughter and what drives her to murder. Yeah, that's not very well explained. And that needed to be like the heart of the film because that's what would make you feel. It's what would turn it into a tragedy. Hmm. 
Yeah. So, and that's missing. And I think the reason why it's missing is because the film is too scared to to make it about her. Because it would be a difference to make the story about, what's the character's name? Renata, Patricia. Patricia's, uh, you know, the whole film is about, it's a, it's a different thing to make a film about Patricia than it is to make it about the house of Gucci. Yeah, because ultimately, you know, the stuff with Adam Driver, as his story develops, by the time they're splitting up, he's you know taking control of the company and he's selling bits and pieces to the Iranians, and ultimately they want to buy his shares off him because it's you know he doesn't really know how to run a company, and and all that stuff feels just like it's plodding along, mm. like, and ultimately they should be feeding into the resolution of. The story, and it's mm, not. It's just it's the not. thing that was happening when he was shot. Yeah. You know. Uh, I mean, Actually, a lot of the film feels like that, really. It just feels like, and here's the next thing that happened in their lives. Yeah. And it's in their lives, and it should be in her lives, because, you know, so for example, I loved Al Pacino, and it's not that the character doesn't have a role to play in Patricia's life, but, it, you know, in a different film, if it weren't for Al Pacino, it wouldn't have taken up that much space. Mm. Yeah. You know, you need the uncle there as a figure to conciliate the family, right? And also as a step in the downfall. Yeah, but you don't need to give him that much room. I think, um, you know, a different film would have given more room to the Pina character, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whereas Because she's, here, she's like second in command in the murder. In the murder. Whereas here she feels like, you know, it feels like, what's she doing in this film? Maybe you shouldn't give her this much space, you know? Uh, well, yes. there's the thing where she's just a fortune teller. Yeah, she's this fortune teller that she gets involved with and, and obviously believes in and so on. And then she becomes this basically this yes man who just agrees with everything, um, more or less. And, and well, certainly bolsters uh, Patricia's confidence all the time. And then you get this scene where, rather than having these you know kind of meetings together, they're um, sharing massages and and mud baths. Yes, and it's like so the relationship is developed, right? Yeah. And there's this comment about. P- uh, Pina says, "Well, maybe we should wait until we come back from the Caymans." Yes, I just want to stop the trip, <laughs> right? So, like, I want to see, you know, I want that that felt that is too big of a jump. In that, I want to see that development. I want to feel a bit more of that. You're right. You need to see. You need yeah. to see how has she got her hooks into into Patricia. And Salma Hayek was fantastic as well. You know, like uh, she appears, and again, she got so many laughs uh, from you. Well, you know, well earned laughs. Uh, so, and actually that is something worth praising in the film because I can't think of anyone who was bad in it, actually. I actually disagree with you about Salma Hayek, to be honest. Ah. I mean, I, I know you love her and she's sainted as far as you're concerned. And this is, no, I don't feel that way about her. Um, but I just think it's partly, a problem, it's partly a problem with the screenplay, but I, I found her flat. One of the flattest things in the film, I think. She fulfills a function... But the character isn't rich enough, and I don't think she enriches it enough. Well, and maybe there's too little to work with. But um, I, I that was thought, something I wanted more from. I thought she worked on me. Uh, I got, uh, I, I liked her very much. She got laughs. I mean, you know, she's not given much to work with. You don't know anything about her. All you see her is kind of telling fortunes. <laughs> I would have liked so, to have seen her get get more to do. Yeah, well, that to too, do. but that's not the actress's fault. No. Um, but so, I, I, I do think she was a I bit she, tedious. I, I loved her. <laughs> I know. Um, so, and that is, I think, that is something to credit the director with, you know, because these are very diverse performances, actually. 
done in quite different styles and they all somehow work i think um hmm. adam driver as sexy nerd uh as soon as i saw him i i was going to go on you know my usual rant about british people playing americans right, right yeah. and so this was almost like going to be the opposite i mean you know they couldn't get like kind of you know, European to play this, right? Because I do think that there are things... Oh, there's been a lot of talk. It's one of the main criticisms I think there's been of this film is that everyone's just putting on these Italian accents. Yeah. Well, but I think there's something specific to Adam Driver, Mm -hmm. which is he needed a kind of, you know, an, an aristocratic kind of demeanor but also all the little nuances that go along with it, right? And to me, he 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 initially didn't convey that. Well, know? initially he's someone who is perfectly happy to break away from his family. True. Um, and and I do think actually that when he kind of reconnects with the people from his past, and you see in Samaritz, the Camille Katang and all the friends who are upper class and so on. Once he kind of ditches Patrizia and re-engages with them, I think you do see that in his character. You do see that aristocratic... Yes. No, I agree. I mean, I was going to say that, you know, initially, kind of, you know, I had this rant that he really mm. should have been played. And I, well, I still think it would be better, actually. So you think why here would be a good reason to cast a, an English person who is more familiar with, like, you know, European cultures... Uh, and instead, now you get the Americans doing the Europeans. Mm. Um, but I think he did grow into that. Yeah, that you know, uh, as the film unfolds, he both gets stiffer in a way, right? Um, and, well, actually, maybe that's the problem. Maybe his whole performance of going back to his wealth and privilege is just to get stiff. <laughs> yeah. I think it's to get smug as well. You get, you get there's a smugness to him that emerges later on. You know, I, I, what I like. I do like the kind of shift in tone from that early. Like it's very passionate early on. It's all writing lipstick on, you know, mm. on windscreens with phone numbers and shit like that. And you know, there's that scene where they're shagging in the um, the office. porter cabin yeah. office, right on the work site. And um, you think, well, this is, you know, feels great. This is raw uh-huh. and it's passionate. It's great. And and that development into restriction of feeling, stiffness, and so on. That actually ultimately just comes out with a burst in that scene where he, where he attacks her. Um, I think it was handled quite well. It works for me, you know. Mm. It's maybe a little banal. It's maybe what you'd expect. I don't know. I liked yeah. it, though. It worked for me. I don't know. I mean, um, there's something visually about Adam Driver that to me just doesn't fit the role, you know. Um, Does he look like Maurizio Gucci? I don't know what he looked like. Uh, that I don't know, mm. you know. But when you think of that type of of, of person I forget who what's the name of the owner of Fiat the Agnellis you know uh, uh, you know people of there is kind of like a demeanor a way of dressing a way of moving you know a kind of a nonchalance and a calmness that uh, that is not a stiffness that in fact you know could be a naturalness or you know uh, this is something for other people uh, attitude that I think Adam Driver just doesn't evoke. Mm. It's not loose enough. No, it's more like the sense that the world belongs to them and <laughs> that, you know, they have fun and kind of restrictions are for other people, you know, and so on. Like it's, 
an elegance, yeah, of bearing. Whereas, you know, uh, I think Adam Driver's dressed very elegantly, but I don't think he himself conveys that kind of elegance and demeanor. Mm. I think, you know, you find him much more natural uh, and at ease, you know, playing the ball game with the truckers, yeah, in the opening scenes than, you know, in the ski slopes later on. Um, just quickly going back to the fashion thing about how well does the film explain fashion or whatever. It's really key to, to the, the the Gucci story, at least, that Tom Ford had this great show and mm. kind of changed the fortunes of the company around with his designs. And in the film, that's basically expressed as he used leather and he showed a man's bum. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know. <laughs> I'm uh. sure there's more to it than that. Well, I think that was meant to evoke an association back to what Gucci stood for, which is leather. Goods, yeah, because uh, the cows. But that's meant to be the punctuation mark of something, rather than you know. So, I, so I don't think the film conveyed that very well. Yeah, no. because well, that, it's basically saying like they talk every now and again in the film about the history of the company. We go back so far and so on, and it's a family company as well, which family does have this connotation of family friendly. Mm. Um, and you know, <laughs> the uh, the Atlas leather chaps that Tom Ford has the guy doing the catwalk in, are not family friendly. No. And it's like, it, that's the kind of clear delineation that this is something very different. Yes. It's not that smart. It's, it's kind of, it's so badly shot, you know, because I think, you know, if you're going to show like an actor's bum in Leather Chaps, choose a better bum, you know. Yeah, I agree with that. So, anyway, there you go. So I have very mixed feelings about this. Despite really. all this, though, we've been complaining. We, you you I had a good time. It. I had a good time too. Like, yeah. it's, the, the time does pass very quickly. Every scene is basically fun, entertaining at least. And Gaga is a revelation. You know, she's really earthy and natural, you know, and she really runs the gamut of emotion. You believe her at every instance. You love working class Italian. You, I mean, it's just a I Rocky do, thing, I isn't do, it? I do love working class It just goes back stars. to Rocky and Sylvester Stallone. Well, partly, I mean, partly that. I mean, I do like that. Yeah, I like, <laughs> you know, the energy and the sexuality and the smarts and... You know, that's the character that she's playing. Mm. But also, that she can play it that well. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's worth seeing, uh, really. It is entertaining. It's just, you'll come out going, uh... I know, well... Well, I, mean, I did. I, lo- I loved watching it, and then you just think, well, it's not It's not a very good film. Yeah, I, actually, I, I, ultimately, I kind of thought, this is a trifle. Which, for a film with this many stars, this long, it's about this interesting a story, in yes. theory. It's not something you should be thinking. Yeah, and that's true. Before we go, Mm. I want to bring up something that's interesting, uh, completely separate to this. It's about aspect ratios, which we've been talking about briefly on the last couple of podcasts. And which I had to complain to the manager of Cineworld today. Yeah, let's say that. So, actually, it wasn't the aspect ratio. ratio Well, I thought it was the aspect ratio initially, because the subtitles were not visible on screen, so I thought they've got the aspect ratio wrong. Yeah, so we saw saw a, a screening that was subtitled, and very often it was off the bottom of the screen. We're thinking, what's going on? And it was just a case that it's a digital file. They hadn't sorted it out correctly. They resized it and they came on. But the actual the, the, the image was not being cropped right. at any point. That's that was we, fine. Yeah. But it was a problem. And still throughout the film, it was out of focus. Yeah. You could tell the subtitles were out of focus. <laughs> and no one, you know, I thought, how am I going to complain about this? And eventually I left it. Um, it wasn't so out of focus that it, it was unwatchable. But it's a problem. Hmm. Um, and Cineworld should get its act together. I mean, you know, we should be doing everything possible to get audiences back in the cinema. Showing a film out of focus 
is not the way to go about it. And, you know, and as soon as the director credit, because I was thinking, is there out of focus? Is it just me? I'm wearing my contact lenses. Maybe it's a problem with my contact. And then, of course, the name Ridley Scott comes out on the credits. Mm -hmm. It's out of focus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, all the subtitles were before that. And Mm -hmm. if it ever says, you know, Milan 1990. Uh, uh, Anyway, on the last couple of podcasts, uh, which were Spencer and Mothering Sunday, I was talking about the films being in a weird aspect ratio that I don't remember seeing before. Mm. Um, this, uh, as it turned out, 15-9 aspect ratio, 166 to 1. And Joseph Mastrangelo mm-hmm. has written into us. Okay, great. So, Joseph, thank you very much. Um, here's his comment. You guys are brilliant. I love you. You're the best. <laughs> my favourite podcast. Okay, he didn't write any of that, but he should have. <laughs> So I hear an insult coming. (laughs) Here's what he actually wrote. Um, I just want to point out that the 15 to 9 aspect ratio that Mike noticed on Spencer has been used on many films since his introduction in the 1950s. It is often referred to as European widescreen and is often associated with the European art house films of the 60s and 70s as well as the films of Stanley Kubrick. It's also the native ratio of Super 16mm which was the primary acquisition camera format of Spencer. They also used 35mm Ah, for some night scenes. Okay. And he, comes, he uh, comes up with a quote from director of photography, Claire Mathon, who says, We shot in 166 to 1 aspect ratio so as to be the most faithful to the Super 16 film format to keep all its dimension and its definition. The 166 to 1 also helped with the close proximity we were looking for in this portrait of Diana, which I think we sort of oh, talked about a little bit. Like that's yeah, yeah. certainly how it looked. Um, so, you know, I didn't, I, I'm not as smart as I thought I was because, I, you know, aspect ratio is one of those things you can get super nerdy about and I thought I knew all these things. But it did remind me, we were talking about Kubrick and so I was led on a little bit of a sort of internet mm. uh, uh, tour looking it up and I came across this website, Gnome Kroll. It's a bloke's name, N-O-A-M-K-R-O-L-L. He writes about 166 to 1 and he talks about some films that have used it, uh, such as Jackie, which was also by... Lorraine. Yeah. Lorraine, who did Spencer... Um, the Witch, 2015. Blue Valentine, 2010. Oh, wow. The Good German, 2006. Pi, 1998. That was um, Aronofsky. Fanny and Alexander, 82. New York, New York, 77. Barry Lyndon, 75. Clockwork wow. Orange, 71, which I definitely remember. I remember watching Clockwork Orange. First time I saw it some 15 years ago. I remember thinking, this is a weird aspect ratio. Mm. <laughs> you know? But again, not thinking, oh, it may have been used a lot. Yeah, it's just yeah, it was yeah. weird to me, right? Rear window was in this aspect ratio, and on the waterfront, both in fifty-four. So, like, it's it's not an alien aspect ratio. It's just that it's it's not so commonly in use that I had recognized. Maybe it was seeing it on the big screen that yes. I thought this is that it appeared as something different to me. I don't yeah. know, but um, there you go. It has a history uh, which I wasn't really aware of. Well, thank you very much, Joseph. Really appreciate it. Yeah, some nice nerdy stuff to end the podcast with. All right, well, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, We are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on. Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And the website, where you can get in touch with more corrections, (laughs) is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.